live. Yes, we are live as it is. We have got Troy Malcolm from his home, John McGrath from his home, and Tom Panos from my home coming to you with MDA, both on podcasts, Spotify, and at the App Store. And where else do you put it, Troy? Uh, goes to Stitcher as well, which is another podcast uh, podcast hosting app. Stitch up? Is that what you're doing to us? Stitch up? Stitcher, <laughs> Stitcher, Stitcher, not Stitch up. <laughs> I, thought you were, I thought you were doing it to Tom and I again. You've stitched this up a few times. I thought you could actually now formalise the arrangement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, guys, I'm just bringing this up. How do we do this? We've got that gallery view. I'm just bringing, just bear with me. Uh, there, press that. We're all good. So, um, John and Troy, we were together last week. It's it's exactly seven days since the podcast. Um, <laughs> there's no question about it. There seems to be a, a mood that sooner or later, uh, even on-site auctions and open for inspections, most likely will get a green light at some point in the near future. But for me, the biggest thing is I just can't get over the amount of real estate agents that are reporting um, lots of sales in their in their marketplace. And I can't say that prices appear to have dramatically fallen. What's the feedback the McGrath Group's had? Exactly the same time. In fact, funny enough, we looked at our company-owned offices and this April, we've listed more property than last April. So that's on the listing side. <clears throat> on the sell side, we think buyers have dropped off by about 50 to up to 70%, probably 60% on average. Um, the 40% that are still there, they're hardcore. They want to buy. Most of them want to buy before COVID's over because they've taken a stance that either the market's going to continue on or there could be a, a, a positive you know, burst of energy post-COVID. So they're pretty serious. We spoke about one, our Brisbane uh, team, Sandy and Charmaine. They listed a property on, sorry, they launched it last Friday up at uh, New Farm. They had on Saturday 11 inspections, one-on-one -on -one private appointments. They had seven written offers. And then by six o'clock at night, they had sold the property within 24 hours, cash unconditional, just as an example. I know they're just two of, of, of probably thousands of examples, but we've been very pleasantly surprised at how many people are still buying and also pleasantly surprised how many vendors are probably not so surprised because I think there's a, as an air of nervousness. There are some vendors out there that are nervous it's going to get worse. Uh, there are some vendors out there that just don't want to wait six months until things are fully cleared up. But uh, plenty of listings. Uh, I think I wouldn't say plenty of buyers, but the buyers that are there are hardcore, qualified, ready to go. And I agree with you on the pricing. The worst I've heard is about a 10% drop down. I've heard more often than not somewhere between up to 5%. Uh, Wayne Vaughan and Tina Vaughan sold one on the weekend, Tom. Not that far from you, sort of got up in the right Epping area though, and uh, I, they sold it for one eight sixty. And I said, "What would you have got pre-COVID?" She said, "Well, one nine ish, maybe." And it was still worth under two. So they they thought that it was three or four percent down. So yeah, I think uh, you know the, the market's between your ears, as we say, and and you've got to get out there and make it happen. Roy, what, what's the feedback you're getting talking to the agents? Yeah, I'm starting to notice a lot more conversations with quality vendors um, that are making decisions. I think the most important part is to make those recommendations that suit their personal circumstances. Um, don't let the media dictate what's actually happening for the, each individual client in their respective markets. 
that's probably the biggest thing that I've noticed. And a lot more buyer appointments, Tom, uh, senior agents, lead agents are spending a lot more time with buyers at those private inspections, making sure that they are getting all the information to make the right decisions. Okay. Three things I want to touch on. Um, I'm getting feedback from a lot of the marketplace <laughs> that there is uh, opportunistic buyers that are rocking up. Well, sometimes they're not even opportunistic buyers. They're basically putting an offer in based on what they think might be a challenging time ahead. And um, they're putting in offers that are very low. Some agents call them low-ball offers. Um, I just want to talk through, if you do get one of these offers, what's a sensible way to actually work with that person, not piss them off and just shrug it off like one guy did yesterday. That was the purpose I brought it up. He basically uh, got into an argument with a buyer saying that's ridiculous, you know, how, how, I'm not going to even take that to my owner. That's, you know, um, what, do, what do you do um, uh, to both you guys? I'd love to uh, get your opinions on it. Low offers. I, I, I might start, Troy. I'll give you half a dozen yeah. bullet points of things that come to mind for me, Tom, and Troy can add or, or comment and um, go from there. And I think we're videoing this, so if we move it at pace, <clears throat> everyone will be able to get it. So a couple of things come to mind for me. The most relaxed person in the room controls the negotiation. So Herb Cohen said to me many years ago and I met him, the most important negotiation tactic is care, but not that much. Um, so I think these are not. this is not the time in any negotiation with anyone to be going on the defensive, going on the aggressive, um, if some, the harder you try, the more they backpedal. So I think your energy around this is good because if you go out hard and aggressive, they think you've got no one else and you're desperate and they've got control. So that'll be the first thing. Two is on all your listings, like Sandy and Charmaine did last week, you'll always get a better price when you have competition. And as we now know, it's not just auction competition. It can be private treaty competition, can be off-market competition. So the harder you work to create more than one genuine qualified buyer at any given time, that'll allow you to care, but not that much, be more relaxed, and it puts pressure. Now, some people have said to me, yeah, but John, you know, we don't have to actually have buyers, we can create them. So that's not my way of selling. Uh, I'm all around integrity selling, and I think that uh, A is you've got to work out what do you represent in life, and if you represent telling the truth, you don't make up stories. Two is um, I think it's unethical. And three is I think people can always tell. They just, there's something about body language when you're telling a lie. So my view would be build some genuine competition. If you can't do it, you can't do it. But if you can get two or three people interested at once, you're relaxed. So then Tom, you come in and say, John, you're that 1.4 property. I'll offer them 1.1. And at that point I can say, you know, whatever I say, but you know, Tom, thanks for the offer. Just so you know, I've got two other people bringing in signed bids in the next 24 hours. I've told both of them what I'm about to tell you is that at 1.4, we think it's reasonably priced in today's market. Now, what would it have fetched pre-COVID? Might have been 1.450, 1.5. This area, there's a number of sales that would suggest that it's down 5 to 7%. We've repriced it in line with that. So this is not a pre-COVID pricing. I'm actually bringing it to you at COVID pricing and provide some evidence if you can. If there hasn't been another sale, you can talk about what the markets come back. Uh, and it need, again, it needs to be real, authentic, honest, and you should be able to back that up. So I think that's really important. Next one is I would be saying, so Tom, you know, with the one, one, take me through your thinking on how you arrived at the figure. Because what you're trying to work out is, is this a budgetary issue or is this a disagreement on price? And I would even say that to them. You know, Tom, at one, one, we're poles apart and it's not going to buy it. So just, I'm just letting you know. So 
if you anchor it up front, if you say to them, oh, God, one, one, look, I don't think, oh, I, I can't see it. If you give them hope at that price, if there is no hope, um, you're going to find it very hard to build them up. So I would be um, not dismissive, but kind of moving them forward. This is a this is a COVID price, not a pre-COVID price. Market's down 5 to 7%. Therefore, the 1.4 is, is realistic. Um, tell me how you arrive at the number. Is this an issue, Tom, with regard to one one's your absolute maximum budget or is it a situation where we have a disagreement on value? Because if they say bank will only lend me one one, John, so I've got to tell you, if it's one one twenty five, you need to find me another property. If they're genuine, that's, that's fair enough. So you've got to identify which one it is. Um, next thing is provide them the evidence because you know, people will sort of buy emotionally, but they like to justify logically. And if you can give them the logic to make a, a bit of one four as opposed to one one, um, that gives them a sense of comfort. Clearly, if they're offering on the property, they like it and they want to own it. People don't just throw offers around willy-nilly just for the sake of it, uh, unless they're just a pure speculator, in which case it becomes much more difficult. Then I would explain to them what I believe is the problem with submitting a low-ball offer. This would be more in the instance, Tom and Troy, if there's no other competition. So I'll be saying, Tom, I could take the 1-1 one, one, and here's why it's going to work against you. At 1-1, one, one, we're going to offend the owner and we're not going to get a counter. Why? Because the owner's going to look at me and say, John, that's way under what we think it's worth. What do you think? And I'm going to say, I agree with you. So if you come in at that level, we're not even going to make any progress and get a counter. If you were to come in closer to asking, but below asking, let's call it one three, we might be in the negotiation stakes and you'll get a better price. But if I come back to you, I know what I'm going to say. One one's rejected. They're offended. They actually don't even want to hear another offer from us because they think we're opportunistic. Um, so that would be the other thing. The only other one, John McManus, Troy, at our webinar fairly recently, uh, <clears throat> he used a great, a great piece of dialogue and something along the lines, I won't say it as well as Tim, but, you know, Tom, it's 1.4 COVID price, pre-COVID 1.5. There are definitely some people in the market looking for a bargain and they're shopping around looking for a desperate vendor. That's not the situation here and that's not what we're going to be doing. We're going to be selling at fair market value. So again, you establish a beachhead and it's a confident remark and that kind of brings them back up. Now, some people stick at 1.1, but I guarantee our, our viewers, if you use two, three, four, five, six of those in combination, mm. it will be an effective strategy to get the property sold out or closer to uh, asking for price. Troy, over to you. Yeah, John and Tom, I think one of the key things you mentioned, John, and I couldn't agree more is around the evidence-based information. Uh, what are the case studies that you or your colleagues or you've seen in the market over the past 7, 14, 21 days that help make the decision for the buyer? Most buyers that are out there in the market right now, they want to buy. Right. So how do we help them do that? We give them evidence and case studies to allow them to do that. Similar to that, those case studies can also show relevance to the vendor on making the right decision right now. Um, generally, what John was saying, again, is 100 percent right. Three to four percent is what we're seeing in most markets. So let's take that into consideration when making those offers. So the vendors have a really clear understanding of what they're accepting, given the current market conditions. Yeah. Are you on the moon there? You look like. You're looking at Tim's green, and, and you look like you're on the lunar module there. I love it. I, I've been I've been hit with my this my where I am right now. It's there's so much light coming in the back. I've I've put a light the light here on me, but it's it's not working properly. <laughs> Apologies. Lovely, lovely shade of green, and I've got a lovely shade of pink. And Tommy, you're looking. Uh, you've got the Greek uh, orange look about you, which is uh, 
good. So we're all we're all we're all like representing different shades. Today. Well, well, while we're talking while we're talking about Greek, I've just had a a message come through on Facebook uh, earlier on this morning. The Inner West Council has uh, renamed a part of uh, Marrickfield as Little Athens. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, which is good. Uh, uh, so 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 Marrickville's changed. Marrickville used to be a suburb many years ago. It was a suburb I was brought up in. Um, I was brought up actually on um, Holmesdale Street, which is where the Newtown Jets um, play football. And um, I still remember as a young kid, three or four years of age, or maybe four, my father said they're playing soccer up the road, and we walked up. Uh, went and watched Newtown Jets, and uh, it was the first time my dad said they they it's different here. The ball's not round, you know. Uh, um, but anyway, um, I, I actually one of the things I get out of listening to you both, it appears it's pretty important that you don't you don't get too desperate, that you're calm and collected, and also. Um, you manage their expectation and give them no hope. Like I think sometimes a problem with offers is you get an offer off a buyer and an inexperienced or a poor negotiator will actually say, well, leave it with me. I'll go in and, and give it a try. And, and the buyer sits there, thinks, oh, shit, like he said he's going to go give it a try. I think it's good to be very clear to people if there's no chance. I think Chris Voss said it at one of the Eric's. Like people like to have certainty nice and clearly. Something along the lines is, hey, I want to thank you for that offer. That price level's already been tested and it's unlikely to even be considered. If it wasn't considered, what would your next offer be? And handle it there and there on the spot. Um, can I just move on to another topic? And that is the situation where you've got an offer for a vendor and it's a reasonable offer. It might not be what it would have been five weeks ago, but it's only, say, 20 or 30 grand off. And the agent feels like, wow, I've got a buyer that wants this. They're ready to go. They're ready to sign a contract. But my vendor is being resistant over 30 grand. Is there anything that you can help bridge that gap there? Over to you, John, first. Yeah, I'll start first. So, uh, first, you just used the magic words there, get them to sign a contract. So, um, you know, it's the old Eddie Maguire thing on who wants to be a millionaire. He signs a check and hands it to them, they rarely hand it back. <clears throat> it makes it real and tangible. So, rather than a verbal offer, and I'm sure I'm preaching to the converted here, make sure that the vast majority, if not all your offers are in contract, unconditional cash, ready to go. Because the immediacy of, if you take this, the deal's done, you're in move out mode, you're a buyer, not a seller, as opposed to what else could go wrong. So first thing. Second thing, same couple of bits of advice. Care, but not that much. The most relaxed person in the room generally wins the negotiation. So don't push, don't push, because you're going to end up have them pull back. So what you really need to do is get on the same side of the table with them and you need to say, let me understand your thinking around this situation. So then they say, well, you know, like we don't want to move for less than that. And then I'll say, so let's just revisit why you're selling, Tom. Let's just take you through it. You know, you said to me that you're selling to move to the Northern Beaches. Um, I have colleagues and I've checked up before I came here that have said that the Northern Beaches market's down 5%, 10%. We're talking about a negotiation here at 2 or 3%. The gap's better than it was. So again, if you can bring in some logic, <clears throat> some science, if you will, that always helps significantly. The other thing is some people say, well, you know, John, I'm not, I'm not in a desperate hurry. 
I'm happy to wait. And here's how I answer that. I understand, Tom, and I believe that's a great position that puts us in. However, the problem is others will be in a desperate hurry and in a market like this when people panic, some will be desperate sellers and they will take a price which arguably will be well below value or you and I, Tom, would think is fair value, which I think to be fair is the sort of offer we have today. That resets the market. Nowadays with technology, everyone knows what everything sells for. And even though we've got an offer of one, two and you want one, two fifty, if a similar home, someone takes a million one, that becomes the new value. So right now we're in a marketplace. We haven't had a desperate sale yet to reset the value, but once we do, probably for the duration of this cycle, that's going to be the benchmark and we're going to be looking at that. So even though you're not desperate to sell, you're not any pressure, others will be and that will reset our value if that happens. Then I think I, I go to, so Tom, let's assume for a moment <clears throat> that a million and 20 is the mark and your million and 50 in this market anyway is not achievable. Just just let's, let's sort of take you on that hypothetical. What's your plan B with regard to the sale of the property? Would you like me to look at renting it? Uh, will you just take it off the market? Are you looking just to sit on the market until? So you kind of, again, test their metal. You know, what, what are they going to do? No, no, I'm not going to rent it. I, you know, I'm here to sell. Versus, yeah, look, I could rent it unless I give them the money. I'm happy to rent it. Rent it for three years, no problem. I've owned it for 20. I'll own it for another three. So you're kind of getting feedback from them as to, to what's happening. So you're giving them some logic. You're, you're testing them again. Then I say, <clears throat> my experience time in a market like this, which has corrected, there's a couple of things. You need to make a decision on the trajectory of where you think the market's going. Some people think it might bounce up. Some people think it'll plateau for a while. Others that read a lot of the news and they see the unemployment figures and they see a lot of a mess out there, they actually think there's a few legs to go. You need to make your decision on that and, and, and I'm not gonna lead you. I'm just gonna say they're the three options. If, if it goes down from here and we chase the market down, it's typically a two to three year period before we see a return to current day values at least. So my concern is if we let the offer go for what is basically a 2% variation from what you like, I can't make you a buyer, which is really what you want to be. And you can't take advantage if the market leads down, you can't take advantage of that. Right now, Tom, a lot of people are saying cash is king. If you can take this wonderful asset and turn it into cash and sit on the sidelines, stock market's down 38%. I don't know if you invest in the stock market or not, but just as an example, because that's often an asset that people compare and contrast with property and shares. If you just took the, the, the investment property return and we put that into the share market in the top 20 stocks, gave it to an investment advisor, <coughs> If you have bad luck, you'll make 20% in the next 12 months based on statistics. Normally the stock market comes back around 50% in the first year because it goes down quicker and it comes back quicker than the property market. So at, at 122 in, in Apple computers and Westpac Bank and a range of other good quality blue chip assets, in a, in a bouncing market, and again, you need to get your own financial advice, but here's how I see it, that one, two million or thereabouts we're looking at one four with a little bit of luck in the next 12 months. It could well be that the one two offer we have on your home is one one. So the gap may well widen and I just don't want that to happen. You're kind of stuck in a, in, in a falling situation because once it starts falling, it becomes very hard then. It's like trying to catch a dagger as they say. Um, <clears throat> so I think opportunity cost, 
what else could you do with the money? And whether it's buying a new home in an area where cash is king, and if you go in and make cheeky offers to someone else, you might get one. Um, that's number one. Number two is markets like this generally take several years to come back to their level. So, you know, if, if we miss it here, we could really be waiting a long time and you need to make the decision, Tom, if you want to wait several years to get this price again. Um, again, all remaining very relaxed, uh, trusted advisor or energy. This is not salesman. You know, Tom, I really think if we don't take this, we're going to miss it. That energy, again, repels people. Mm. We're trying to attract people. We want them mm. to lean forward and say, okay, so, John, what are you telling me? What do you think? And I'll say, Tom, here's my recommendation. I think we have a good cash offer. I have a signed contract, which means it's done, it's done. The terms are basically, other than a week extra settlement, they're basically what you were looking for. The money is a little bit under what you want, but I believe personally it's fair market value, absolutely. The market, I don't have a crystal ball, neither do you, but if you ask 10 people, eight of them would say the market's going to get worse before it gets better. So looking at those things, Tom, my strong recommendation is to take the offer move forward, I'll pop a sales sign up as I leave, and we, then I'm going to spend a lot of time with you in school and looking for your next dream home, and then shut up. So that would be kind of my way of dealing with the, well, not necessarily unreasonable vendor, but you know, the vendor that's hanging out for that little bit more. I also think, John and Tom, there's a really important time uh, over the next three months that we will see different challenges from an economic factor, both globally and locally, in regards to people's incomes, uh, their job security. Um, I don't think people should underestimate with their clients the value of uh, an active buyer willing to make an offer, if it's within reason, like we're saying 3 4%. Again, I would rely heavily on the evidence-based information to help make that decision and rely on the statistics that are coming through. Um, I, John, you mentioned a really good point there not to show desperation, um, create urgency, show them that you're there to support them, but also give them statistics and evidence to help make that decision for them. I remember doing an interview. What's Matt King's business partner? Kieran Bresnan. Okay. So, Kieran, he's the ex-butcher, isn't he? Yeah. So, Kieran, I did an interview for the real estate gym back during the GFC, and I remember interviewing him, and we did a role play on a situation described as, as it, and he was so good because he was just calm and collected, and he said, he role played it. I was the client. He sort of said, so what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to wait wait till the market picks up. And he goes, okay. And what are you going to do when you wait till the market picks up and you sell it? What are you going to do next? I said, then I'm going to go buy another property. And he goes, okay, that sounds like a fair plan. And he goes, can I just get you to think about this? You know, when the market goes up, it's not only going to go up for your property, it's actually going to go up for the one you're going to buy, just in case you hadn't thought about that. And many of, our, many of our clients have chosen to transact in this current market because they actually feel like the one that they're going to buy is actually going to drop more than the one that they're selling. And I just think that you need to understand that if the market goes up, it's not exclusive, just yours that goes up. And I think, I think the power often is in the questions because what actually happens is people sort of shift their own thinking, whereas where you just say to them, no, trust me, do this, it's better for you, they automatically say, commission breath, salesperson, security, I need to put my shield on, right? But when you've got nice questions that get a person to think about situations, 
Um, and it always makes so much easier, isn't it, when you've got a lot of listings? Because when you've got a lot of listings, you're not as desperate at all. So you're basically just, you don't have this panicky feeling. Um, one final question, and that is, to the to, to what do you say to vendors as we're coming through out past COVID nineteen? There's a bunch of people that are sitting on a CRM system that you're having regular catch-ups, you're speaking to them. And one of the things that's coming up in the conversations now is, listen, should we just wait? You know, we originally were going to come on the market in March. This happened. Now we're thinking maybe we just wait till spring. Let's just let the settle dust. Is there any dialogue or an approach there that we can talk about? Yep, approach same, Kevin, not that much. Be the most relaxed person in the conversation. Um, Questions-based. So, Tom, take me through your motivation first. I, I can't answer that question until I really fully understand the purpose of uh, the sale and also how you're feeling about the market. So I want to know, are you selling it to buy, to buy an investment, to put it in shares, to pay off a debt, to prop up your business? Because <coughs> all of them could have different answer. <coughs> I mean, if they think the market's about to get better, and they could be right, could be wrong, and they have no mortgage on the property and so on and so forth, maybe the answer is let's let's wait. We'll go soft launch, we'll do it quietly, and then we'll launch in, in 30 days when this kind of mess is somewhat behind us. So whereas if they're trying to prop their business up because they've got the bank banging on the door and they're going to go broke, in that situation, let's go to market. Let's go to market confidently and promptly so we can get the best possible outcome as quickly as possible. So I think understanding their motivation, understanding how they feel about the market, sharing your feeling about the market, and, and could be different for everyone. There might be some markets that are still falling. There might be some markets that haven't fallen at all and might have a pop in a positive. So you've got to be... Here's the energy I think you need, Tom, right now, taking, taking this to market. You need to be calm talking to vendors because plenty of people aren't. So what you want to do, and we saw it yesterday with Betty Opperlander when we interviewed her on our daily webinar, you need calm because that just settles everyone down. We don't, don't panic. We don't have to make a decision today. Let's, let's look at all the options. Let's have a discussion. And then let's work out what feels like it might be the best outcome. You also want to be enthusiastic at the same time. So calm calms everyone down, but they still want to feel there's a level of enthusiasm for the market. <clears throat> now, to be any to be a brilliant at this point and just, you know, oh my God, I just can't wait. Yeah, the market's on fire. Well, of course, that's probably not the truth either. So you need to manage expectations. So Tom, right now we're delighted. We sold 12 homes last week in the precinct. Um, prices ranging from 850 to 1.7. So we had three that are very much in a similar price range to yours. Right now, I had a look before I came here. Right now, our team is working with about 27 buyers that are looking to spend about the same as your budget. So there are people ready to go. Um, so from my perspective, I would not hesitate going to market unless you felt uncomfortable. Um, having said that, Tom, there's two ways we can go to market. We can go out confidently, prominently, in real time, and go to market, we can get it on the portals, we can get it on our website and all of those things. Or we can go out in what a lot of people call, you know, soft launch uh, or off-market sale process. I'll bring those 27 buyers through quietly. We'll get feedback, we'll either sell it or we'll get, we'll get the feedback that suggests that our prices might be wrong. Uh, and then we can have that discussion and then we can always go to market next. So <clears throat> I think it depends how confident you are in your local market and that particular property. 
how the vendor feels, what their real motivation is. That's really key. Um, they would be the key things for me and care, but not that much. You know, Tom, at the end of the day, I'm going to be here for the next 20 years. If you guys decide to hold it, sell it in three months or three years, it'll be a pleasure to look after you then. I think there is merit in considering it now. So let's talk through it, but start with what is your reason for selling and where do you think the market's going? Troy, over to you. Well, the thing I'd say, John and Tom, is what's changed? What's changed with their own personal circumstances um, in regards to relationship, in, in regards to work, in regards to their own personal finances? I think that's a big determinator for the, the motivation. John, I love the fact of doing the soft launch campaign. I think getting all the marketing elements prepared in advance and doing a test in the market, definitely with qualified buyers that you've been working with, it's a great indicator where the market sees value. And then the vendor can make the right decisions. Each situation presents a different case. And I know that I've mentioned that a number of times during this uh, MDA episode, but I really think it's important more so now than ever to make sure we're meeting the vendor's needs in regards to what their motivation is, as opposed to just trying to get that deal across the line. Yeah, this is not a time for self-interest. Uh, these, these are still, even though the light at the end of the tunnel is clearer now, these are tricky times. There's a lot of nervous people. There's a lot of people that do have real issues, uh, unemployment, business challenges. So this is a time for total empathy, trusted advisor energy, questions based. This is not about commission breath. I want to get my two and a half percent. So yeah, I, I agree with that, Troy. Comfortable, confident, empathetic, listening, um, trusted advisor recommendations. That's the way to go forward, I think. Guys, you've summed it up very good. Outstanding. Listen, we're going to be back next week um, and we're going to keep addressing issues. A couple of uh, mentions. We have, uh, I want to talk about two programs that are going on. The first one is the uh, mini ARIC virtual conference that we're holding in May. It will be, uh, um, there'll be an email and we're going to promote this but for your own information now, and many of you know about it because I talked about it on the Sunday night rant. So it starts on the 4th of May. It's an hour every Monday for four weeks where we're going to have three speakers. A lot of those were originally scheduled to speak at ARIC. We've got some other, you know, legends that we're going to be uh, interviewing for 20 minutes or they'll be doing presentations. That's going to be happening in the month of May. I've also in the real estate gym for all my gym members, I've got a 21-day program. I've got, got a few people. I've got uh, Tom Ferry, Dr. Fred, and a few others that are chipping in. Um, a lot of people that have been around a long time. I've got Shannon Whitney. He's been around in markets that have been challenging, you know. So we've got that. Uh, there's no shortage of training going on at the moment. The amount of content that is available, to be honest with you, I think a lot of real estate agents have come up and become trainers as well because they've got to, they're doing, and, and it's good because I actually, you know, I, I find that a lot of the content that I actually get has originated from an agent that's doing something in the market and um, I uh, then magnify it. And, um, and I think that... Uh, uh, having some great real estate agents that have gone through hard times. And both you gentlemen have been... Troy, you were working in real estate in uh, uh, what periods of time? Uh, right at the tail end of midway, sorry, May 02, I kicked off with McGrath. So I've kind of seen a few different cycles now. So you've, had, you've, had the G, you've, had the, you've had the GFC um, 
Um, and uh, you must, John, you must be very proud of Troy. I mean, I still remember him. He was uh, he was a, a young uh, young kid now. He's probably one of the best auctioneers in the business. He's uh, an outstanding trainer. I, have to, I, I get called out to go to Coffs Harbour. He gets called out to go to London. So, um, yeah, yeah no, a good point. A good point not to embarrass Troy because he's humble, but uh, it's been great because Troy and I work, well, we continue to to this day, but in the early days, extraordinarily close. And Troy has done a great job with his career because he's worked in different pockets, you know, as, as auctioneering and a CSM agent, training, learning and development, regional management, all this sort of stuff, which is very, very good. So, uh, no, it's good. I agree with you. There's a quote, and I don't remember, Troy, you might, but it was something about in the age of information, ignorance is a choice or something like that. Any agent that, that even if you're doing well, you have more time now than probably ever before, even if you're doing quite well. Um, and there's more training online two mouse clicks away from you and, and much of it is free, not all of it, but if it's worth it, invest. So now's the time to reinvent and reset because COVID will pass sooner than later. Hopefully in the next sort of month or so, we're going to be feeling like we're kind of back to usual, business as usual. And at that point, you're going to wish that you polished up your listing skills, your scripts and dialogues, your negotiation strategies, you've cleaned up your desktop and a whole range of things. So I think, you know, the clock's ticking. I think we're, we're well and truly past the sort of hump day. And, you know, now's the time to prepare for, and I do think, Tom, my personal view, I, I, I don't know about values yet, it's hard to tell, but I think there's going to be a surge of activity after COVID. So I think coming into, let's call it, it might be an early spring, you know, we might be talking around sort of, you know, July, August, uh, then all of a sudden, you know, auctions are back, open homes inspections are back, and a whole range of other things. And I think people are going to people are going to go. So we'll see. We'll, we'll keep it monitored. Aria Aria's uh, produced a pack two days ago that shows the amount of buyers on Rea has gone off the charts in March. Now, obviously, people have got more time. But, I mean, it's still a positive story that people are looking at stuff that's for sale on realestate.com, saying that there's some sort of interest in there. So um, it's been pleasantly surprising. I've got to tell you, a lot of people forecasted a more challenging period in the last four weeks than what appears to have been. Yeah. All righty. Thank you so much. Press the share button, everyone. Sharing is caring. See you next week.